Tonight's reading is from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. The word of the Lord. I first heard about it in a bar in the desert. It was the only bar in the desert. Well, if you went north to Indio, they had plenty of them. But that was a ways away, and climate notwithstanding, ever since the Coachilla culture kids stopped going home after the festival closed, it really can't be considered much of a desert. It has none of the real deserty things that folks who come out to the desert are really looking for when they come out to the desert, mostly that it's deserted. There was a closer bar if you went south outside of Brawley, but since the geyser opened up last year and swallowed about 50 feet of Highway 111, you have to take the detour around. The detour takes you almost all the way entirely around the Salton Sea. You have to go back up on 111, to where it meets Highway 86, which is practically to Indio, and when, then you drive back down the west side of the Salton Sea, through Salton City, down through Westmoreland, and then you actually have to go through Brawley, which at that point, you why not go to a bar in Brawley? Because if you can continue on to the original bar you were going to, which used to be the closest bar in the desert, once 86 joins 111 in Brawley, you have to head back north, and you have to, and you, so you have your drink there, or you do whatever you do there, you, you socialize, or what have you, and then when you're done, you still have to go, drive back down south on the detour through Brawley, up through Westmoreland, and Salton City, practically to Indio, before you head back down southeast on the east side of the Salton Sea. It's a two-hour detour, over a hundred miles. A hundred miles to get back to the place that you started, in the desert. That is, if you live there, which I did. So why do all that just to get to that, well, frankly, not a great bar? Why not just go to the closest one, 
the one you're in, because that's the best bar around in the desert. Why not? We are already at the best bar, the closest one. That's the Ski Inn in Bombay Beach. I mean, that's if you live close to Bombay Beach, which I did. So I was sitting there in the afternoon in the bar with I'm Not Jesus. The conversation was moving around aimlessly, up and over the swells, sometimes breaking on the rocks, sometimes rushing back out to sea, the way a conversation does when you regularly spend time in a place with people you mostly know and have almost nothing to do. I'd met I'm Not Jesus about a month earlier. I was driving up Highway 86, heading to the Salton Sea for my first time, and she was dragging a 12-foot cross down the side of the road, wearing a very dirty, ill-conceived notion of a vaguely bible times robe and Doc Martens. I could see that there was a wheel at the end of the cross, but I could also see that it was not turning, thus the dragging. I pulled up to help her. I tied the cross on the top of my van, and she rode with me to Bombay Beach with a plan that we would fix the wheel when we got there. But uh, at that point, about a month later, that cross was still tied to the top of my van. We would both kind of stuck around. So okay, conversation ebbing and flowing, you know, and she was saying to me, I'm not Jesus, she said to me that she had just gotten back from the Batcave. What's the Batcave? You don't know what the Batcave is? She asked. I said, I, I mean, I know what the Batcave is. No, this is real, she tells me. A real Batcave where you can like drive in and there's a computer? No, she said, no. It's a cave in the desert near here. Why do they call it the Bat? There are bats in it. Oh. She said, the bats are not the point. It's a cave, it's a big cave. It's like three miles walk from here towards the Chocolate Mountains out in the desert. It's a hermit's cave. Are there real hermits in it? First of all, she said, hermits is never plural. There's never more than one in a cave. And no, there aren't. Not now. There used to be, according to what people say. Cool, I said. Was it cool? It was, I'm not Jesus said. I stayed out there for three days. Then she kind of leaned in. I went out there because I had read that there was a miserere logo in it. What's a misery logo? I ask. Miserere logo. It's it's well, really, really, she said, really, what it is? It's a miserere incrementum. Okay, I said. What's that? Latin. No, I mean, I know it's Latin. What does it mean? To what does the Latin refer? She paused, seemingly trying to decide how far down the rabbit hole she had the energy to take me, then asked, what do you know about theohorticology? What? Theohorticology. Yes, she said. Yes, that's it. Well, she said, actually, honestly, it's more truly, it's a branch of speculative horticology. 
Speculative horticology? Is that some kind of subreddit science stuff? Yes. But the name is not the point. I read that there was this miserere incrementum in the bat cave. So listen. She grabbed my right forearm just as I was about to lift my beer for emphasis. She grabbed it with both hands. Listen, she squeezed, double-gripped. I found it. I found the miserere incrementum. In the bat cave? In the bat cave. Whoa! I was taken in by her excitement transferring through her hands as she squeezed into my forearm. And then I realized, what is it again? The miserere incrementum? Well, it's kind of a plant. Well, it's not a plant, but it can be a plant. It can be a tree or anything, anything that grows. It's, it's, it's a kind of a growth, like almost a method of growing, a method of growth. Miserere incrementum means a growth of mercy, a mercy growth. The ancient rabbis talk about it all the time. It's a sort of like out of nowhere growth. You know, some of the ancient theohorticological midrashim says that this was what started the Garden of Eden. You know, because, because you know that obviously for anything to grow, it needs a seed, and a seed comes from what? The plant or tree or whatever that it is supposed to, purpose, supposed to be. That's the purpose of the plant, to grow the seed. So to plant the Garden of Eden from nothing you would need seeds for all those trees and shrubs and ground cover and all that. But there was nothing to produce the seeds. So God spoke into being the miserere incrementum. And every plant and tree grew in that garden as an act of mercy from nothing, from no thing. from this mystery thing, or this mercy thing, or this mystery mercy thing that God spoke into being. In Advent, we usually read two texts, right? Um, we read two texts in Advent very often. We read the Gospel text which for this Sunday, which you didn't hear, was uh, from Matthew, and it was about John the Baptist and uh, his condemnation of all the people who came out to get baptized. And then we read an Old Testament text during Advent, um, and that text is usually from Isaiah during Advent. Because the major themes in Isaiah, the major theme in Isaiah is the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, which means in Isaiah, which what Messiah means in uh, Isaiah can be debated, and whether what most Christians mean by Messiah is anything like what Messiah means in Isaiah can really be debated. I hope I put in enough conditional words not to offend anyone. So the gospel text for this week, which is what we usually preach on during Advent, because of you know Jesus. 
is, well, I don't know, I'm not that into it, honestly. I'm not that into it. First of all, it's about John the Baptist, which half of the Advent and Christmas texts are about John the Baptist, which I think is too much. It's too much year after year. John, this is Christmas. Are we going to say too much Jesus? I don't think so. So I don't like preaching on John the Baptist. I'm sick of it, frankly, teaching on John the Baptist. So I'm not, that's, also, this John the Baptist text has all these harsh judgments on it, which you don't want to hear in Advent, you know? I mean, it's also like these harsh, it's kind of like they're almost even violent images. Like he's out there baptizing, and these people come out to be baptized by him, and he yells at them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. All these people are coming out to repent, repent, and be baptized. And John is yelling at them, calling them names, pronouncing judgment. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So I'm preaching on Isaiah. (laughs) Sorry, John. Maybe next year. So there's three parts of the book of Isaiah. It's a very long book, and the three parts of the book of Isaiah can roughly be broken down to different time periods in relationship to the exile. And so, uh, like, the, the, it's like either before, the, so the, the first part, which we read from today, is kind of takes place before and during the beginning of the conflict with Babylon that leads to Judah and Jerusalem being captured and the people being taken into exile. It's all about how they will suffer, they're starting to suffer, they're going to suffer, suffer greatly, uh, Jerusalem will be destroyed, it'll be all taken, it'll all be carted away, and uh, that this suffering will happen but then a leader would rise up. God would send a leader, a king, a Messiah to free them and restore them. That's the first part, which we're reading from today. That's where our reading comes from. So this text from the first part of Isaiah always finds its way into Advent because it has this beautiful and compelling promise of a Messiah coming into a time of fear and oppression and uncertainty and growing hopelessness. And the Messiah brings a whole new state of being about. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion, uh, they're they're all together. A little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the alder's den. They will not hurt or destroy all on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters that cover the sea. It's nice, beautiful, hopeful. And all of this starts, the beginning of this text, all of this starts with this, it says that a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse. That's how it begins. All this beautiful stuff. A shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, a tender little vulnerable shoot that grows out of the stump of a tree that has been cut down. 
So you will notice, for those of you who know your Bible, and I know that there's a lot of you out there who do know your Bible, that the stump of Jesse is referring to King David's father, Jesse. So in the same way that the greatest king who brought an undivided Israel to a place of power and wealth was the son of Jesse, so too will be this Messiah that is going to usher in this new reign of peace with justice and every enemies lying down together. So too will this Messiah come from Jesse, a shoot from the stump of Jesse. The difference being, David didn't come from the stump of Jesse. No, David came from the fertile seed of the full-grown, strong, tall tree that is Jesse. This new Messiah comes not from a seed dropped from the strong tree of Jesse, but the promised Messiah comes from a little green shoot that grows out of the stump of this cut-down tree. And this was not a freshly cut tree. Maybe you just got your, uh, your Christmas trees and they cut it fresh and they say, you need to be, have that thing in the, hour, in the water in an hour. This wasn't like that. At the time of this promise in Isaiah, it had been 600 years since David reigned. 600 years since Jesse's tree was cut down. This was not just a stump. This was a dead and dried up stump. That is what the shoot that grows and transforms the world grows from. It's impossible. It's miraculous. How could it happen? It's a mystery. It's an act of mercy. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You're thinking what I thought too, right? That this can only be part of that thing that the ancient theo-horticological rabbis were talking about. This has to be an instant of the misereri incrementum that I'm not Jesus was talking about. This is the mercy growth, the growth of mercy. I ask I'm not Jesus to take me out there to the back cave. How could you miss a chance to see this? How could you miss a chance to see this miserere incrementum? So we walked out into the desert, the three miles or so, and there it was in these rocks, this giant cave. And so we went in there. And I practically already felt something happening, you know, just to know that this was in there. And I looked around on the ground, and I looked around in the, and I just saw dirt. And I looked, maybe it's small, a little shoot. I looked everywhere. I see no plant. I see nothing. And I asked her, where is it? She pointed to the wall, and on the wall was written. It looked old, really old. It was written, Misereri Incrementum. And I said, I thought, I didn't, I didn't know it was just the words. Where's the, where's the growth? And she said, all things are created through the word. It's, it's like she said, um, it happens when it's ready to happen. It's a growth, it's a mystery. The mercy growth is a mystery growth. You don't know when it's gonna happen. 
But when it happened, it's like, it's like spores in the air. It goes out and it gets on everything. Everybody breathes it in and everybody sloughs it off and sweats it out and it's, everybody leaves smudges of it everywhere. When that happens, it infects everything and everyone. When this mercy happens, the world is transformed completely. And I said, well, when will this happen? I mean, it just seems like, well, I'm going to look around, you know, it seems like we could use this, we could use this now. And she says, it's a mystery. I, I don't know the signs. I don't know that. I just know that it's here. It's here. And so I left walking back in the desert with less vigor than I went to the bad cave. But some kind of hope in this, some kind of, I kept repeating it in my head, miserere incrementum. I mean, don't you think that this would be a time? I thought to myself, I prayed out loud, I spoke. Don't you think that this would be a time? You know, the miserere, incrementum, it would be like now it would happen. It's needed. The climate is heating up. The polar ice cap is melting. And we're still cutting down the rainforest. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, it's cut down and thrown in the fire. The trees are all cut down and consumed by the fire, and only the stumps remain. Only the stumps remain. And I can kind of feel something, kind of like a vibration or something, or like a barely audible rumble kind of thing, the miserere incrementum, miserere incrementum, misericorde est mysterium, miserere incrementum, tempus mystecorie mysterium extravellum. 